Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Today's message is the parable of the lost sheep. Now, here's Pastor Chris. Good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? Man, it looks a little fuller today. Praise the Lord. I know we have some visitors as well. Pastor Kevin, Auntie Faye, thank you for coming. And as well, we have Omar and Bibi. Welcome. If there's anybody else, I'm sorry if I haven't had a chance uh, to greet you. But welcome. Glad to have you all here. Let's begin with prayer. God, we thank you for another day of life and an opportunity to come together in your house as a church family to come and to sing, to pray. And as we now turn to studying, be with us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. It was January 2, 2002. Darlene Etienne had sat down to begin studying. She was living in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. When all of a sudden, as she was sitting down, she started to feel the desk and the walls start to shake. And the shaking got stronger and stronger, so much so that the whole house was violently shaking until the whole house collapsed on top of her. And for 15 days, she sat in the dark. There was just enough space for her somehow air was able to get in where she could still breathe and she could somewhat lie down. But for 15 days, she yelled and she screamed, help, help, help. And yet to no avail, nobody heard her. Until Claude Foy was walking across a crumbled roof and he heard her voice and he saw a little bit of dust-covered black hair coming from out of the rubble. Ran to get workers, and as they came back, they started to peel back the rubble. And finally, they were able to dig a hole enough to give Etienne some extra oxygen and, above all, some water. Later, they were able to remove her from the rubble, and when she got out, she had a weak pulse And probably within 45 minutes, they had managed to remove her from the covered dust. And she could see the collapsed porch that she had been under. Foya actually said, if it had been even probably a couple of more hours, she most likely would not have survived. It was there that she was taken to a French field military hospital and then to a hospital ship who were able to better care for her needs, that she could be okay. It was amazing to see that she wasn't crushed by the rubble and that there was a space that she could lie down. And as she'd uh, been freed and as she was on the way to the hospital, it's interesting to note as well that someone fed her some sweets. Somebody was looking out for her. Somebody was listening. Somebody was intentionally looking for those who were lost under the rubble. 
this next month, this coming month, in the month of September, we're going to be looking at the book of Luke, specifically chapter 15. And in chapter 15 are some of my favorite parables of all time. Parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and finally, the parable of the lost son, or as we also have uh, called it, the prodigal son. As we begin this journey where those who are lost are ultimately redeemed and there is rejoicing. Amen? Amen. So let us begin. Let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 15. The book of Luke, chapter 15. Parable of the lost sheep. We'll give you a little bit of time for those of you who want to actually read it. Luke 15. All right, ready? Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. And then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and he says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. And I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now, to get a little bit of a a background, in order to understand chapter 15, you have to understand also what happened in chapter 14. And it's here that Jesus... Jesus shows that he stands up for the social outcasts. In chapter 14, we find a man at the very beginning of the chapter who is dealing with some abnormal swelling, maybe on his arms or on his legs. And Jesus asks a question because he's at a dinner. He'd been invited to a very prominent Pharisee's home. He was having dinner, and they were all watching Jesus, seeing what he would do, try to catch him. And he knows that they're paying attention to him. And so he goes to this man who has abnormal swelling and he asks this question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And the Pharisees, the teachers, they have no response. They don't know what to say. Or maybe they do, but they don't want to be proved wrong. And he heals him. Again, no response. And then he continues on as they're ready to sit down for the evening meal, there are those who are trying to find the best seat. And Jesus tells them, don't look for the best seat. Look for the worst seat. And then finally, he gives a third parable where he talks about there how there's this great banquet. There's a, banquet. There's a man who invites... Um, uh, a farm, uh, farmland owner, a person who owns oxen, and a man who had just gotten married. And he sends invitations to these three individuals. 
And they say, basically, I'm too busy. I've got other things to do. I cannot come. And in the parable, the landowner, the, 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 the man, tells his servants to go and to bring in all of those who were uh, crippled, who were blind, uh, who were poor, and uh, what was the fourth one? I can't remember. But essentially, the outcasts in Jesus' day. And once all of those individuals had come in, the master then said, go out even into the country roads and bring other people in. And as, as Jesus uh, is saying all of these things, the minds of the rabbis, the Pharisees, and the teachers are churning. And, he, and, and as, as Jesus is talking, he's saying some very difficult things for the Pharisees to fathom because they're questioning. It was going against everything that they had been taught into the core of their body. So the parable of the great banquet gives us this idea that there is a great banquet, an invitation for all to come because God's grace is for all. And when Jesus, he talks about uh, sinners in, in verse 15, he says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. So Jesus is saying all of these things that question their beliefs. One thing to understand, too, in the context of tax collectors, tax collectors were not well perceived because they were, they, they, many of them were dishonest thieves. They were traitors and probably at some point extortioners because they were also fellow Jews. Pharisees cannot comprehend how can Jesus mingle amongst with the sinners. And then Jesus makes it personal because he says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. And all of a sudden, Jesus goes to a parable that everyone, can, many of them can identify with. In fact, even when you read the Old Testament, shepherds, are well-perceived. When you think of shepherds in the Old Testament, you think of David, right? Who became king, who led God's people. And even Moses himself, before the Exodus, was a shepherd. But in Jesus' time, shepherds were not well-perceived. In fact, they were uh, considered on low on the totem pole. They were considered thieves. They used other people's land to be able to feed and graze their sheep. And yet, it's interesting to see that in this passage, we find that the religious individuals who should have been drawn to Jesus because he was the Messiah were most uncomfortable. And yet, the supposed unrighteous, the sinners, were drawn to Jesus. Interesting parallel. So Jesus asks, suppose one of you have a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep and he finds it? As well, the beautiful thing as well, in this parable, we find that the shepherd took the initiative to find the lost sheep. 
some of you are probably thinking, well, Jesus left the 99. What happened to the other 99? 99 are a lot of sheep for one person to carry, uh, to not carry. <laughs> That'd be a lot of sheep to carry. More than likely, there were other shepherds, maybe assistant shepherds, that were able to bring the rest of the sheep back. But the shepherd, realizing that he had lost one of his sheep, goes into the wilderness. And during this time as well, a shepherd just didn't shepherd the sheep because the shepherd, more than likely, knew every single sheep that was in his flock. So he goes. And when the shepherd finds the sheep, the shepherd doesn't just say, come on, let's go. The shepherd, what does it say? The shepherd joyfully picks up the sheep and carries the sheep on the shoulders. I'm told when I was doing research, um, one one of the scholars pointed out that when a sheep at that point has been so lost, and has no hope. They frankly give up. Just like it seemed like when I looked into the eyes of my dog, when he was in his kennel, I could see he looked at me with the hope, sign of perhaps hope. And when I didn't move, I was just watching him. He put his head back down and as if he had given up. The shepherd saw the sheep in distress, perhaps had given up, and he picks the sheep up and he carries the sheep back home. You know, one of the beautiful things about this image is that even though the sheep was lost and the shepherd had went to go after, even when we ourselves are lost, God takes the initiative to find us. God takes the initiative. And one of the questions that we have to ask is, are we ready and do we want to receive the shepherd's invitation? But the shepherd can carry us back home. Has there ever been a point in your life where you felt like there was no hope? And dare I say, maybe you were even thinking about wanting to end your life. But even not to be so drastic as that, maybe sometimes we're feeling like there's no hope. There's no way of possibility of perhaps working things out in a marriage, family, work. For the last six years, if you've been a Lakers fan and there's been no playoffs, (laughs) pray that there will be a playoffs this year. I want to say, and I'm going to stand on this, as a community, we will pray for you and we'll be there to support you. It may mean getting help and it may mean getting professional help, but we will be there to welcome and to pray for you because that's what the community and the family is called to do. And when a sheep, when a person comes in, God's people and the angels are rejoicing. Amen? Even when there have been 99 sheep who have come and are here, if one lost sheep comes back to the fold, we rejoice. And so the shepherd 
comes back home with the sheep on his shoulders and he calls his friends, he calls his family and they rejoice because that one sheep that was missing is back home. I rejoice every time when somebody decides to give their life to Christ and to follow Jesus. Everyone, every person is important. But yet in the eyes of the rabbis, to them, their belief was that before a a person had to repent, before God would even consider dealing with that person. But yet as we see the shepherd takes the initiative, God takes the initiative, God went to the sinner. I tell you that in the same way there will be more heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 persons who do not need to repent. And something that I alluded to a little earlier, in the Gospel of Luke and also of Acts, because Luke-Acts was written by Luke, Acts is just a carryover, continuance of the Gospel of Luke. There is this theme that there is salvation for all. And the Pharisees at the beginning had become so prejudiced that to even share a meal with a quote-unquote sinner or a tax collector was inconceivable. And yet, Jesus rocks the boat. And here, Jesus loved to hang out. He loved to go to parties. Jesus was a partier. (laughs) A good partier. Healthy partier. Jesus regularly had meals. And it was there, whether you were a Pharisee, whether you were a tax collector, whether you were a sinner, in Jesus' eyes, you were all welcome. You were all included. And one of the things that we have to be mindful of is the fact that we have to go. We can't stay within the context of these walls. Like I said, we have to get out of the boat. In my first sermon, we have to get out and go and meet people. If we're going to draw people, if we're going to draw the sheep, it means we have to go, just as a shepherd did, to be a blessing, to be loving, to be kind, to draw those into the church. You know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I had a doctor's appointment, and as I was uh, sharing the information, the tech asked, well, what did I do? I'm a pastor. And that perked her eyes up. She was raised Catholic. Doesn't go to church, but then she asked, well, what makes you different? And I thought, oh, boy, where do we begin? And I said, well, there are four main things. Obviously, we worship on Saturday, Sabbath, our diet, and uh, state of the dead and eschatology. And it was there that we talked probably for a good 10 minutes. I simply went in. I thought I would just share some information, and then I would be done. But I ended up spending an extra 10 minutes just talking with this individual. What I realized that uh, as I was leaving is we have to be ready at all times to be able to share our own story of how God has intervened in our life. Always be ready to be a blessing. We live in a different time as well, where it's not the 1950s where people flocked to churches. Now, 
We can't assume people want to come to church. We have to go to them just as the shepherd did. So, as I said in the first sermon, get out of the boat. Are you tired? Are you feeling like giving up? Do you just want to lie down? Realize that there is a God who is bigger than all of us can ever imagine. There is a bigger God, bigger than we can ever imagine, who loves us, wants to be with us, to lead and guide us, and ultimately has died for us. On August 5, later in the same year of 2010, August 5, a mine collapsed in the country of northern Chile. And 33 miners were trapped three miles in. You remember this story? And so for 69 days, the miners lived on eating very, very minimal food. In fact, majority of the average weight loss was 18 pounds per miner. When I think, man, that's a lot of weight, right? They couldn't just eat whatever they wanted. They lived in, basically lived in darkness for 69 days. Now, fortunately enough, they were able to find some, uh, they, instead of just trying to get out, they, they had a couple miles worth of uh, mine tunnels that they could walk around, they could exercise, so they weren't just stuck in one place. Maybe if they were mad at one another miner, they could just go for a little walk. They could exercise, get that uh, frustration out. But collectively at that point, then the government and the, the, um, the company that owned the mine and even NASA got involved. And together they worked for 69 days to pull these men out. It was a team effort that brought everyone together and all for the goal of being able to bring these miners out. And for the most part, uh, and every miner was brought out, and for the most part, healthy-wise, they lost a lot of weight, but for the most part, they were okay. Praise God. And imagine now, working together as a church community, is it possible we could become many shepherds for Christ to go out to love well, to love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul, and strength, to love our neighbor as ourself, and be able to be ready to share how God has intervened in our lives. Because people, above all, they love to hear testimonies. They want to hear how God has intervened in your life, because that's real. That's true. So be ready. And as a church, I pray that Downey Church, may we all work together and bring joy into the church and also as every single person who walks in, may we rejoice for all those who choose to follow God. Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace and your love. And now, God, as we go forth, as we continue in this series on the lost and yet ultimately redeemed, Lord, we pray that, Lord, you will prepare us, empower us, and give us opportunities. And when those opportunities come to be a blessing, give us the words and the wisdom. May we love well. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Grace and peace. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.